Don't you love just celebrating good stories? Just stories of people sharing God's love in very practical ways, but ways that make a massive difference in the lives of others. Um, that's the sort of stuff that does good for our soul. So it's been fantastic to celebrate some of those stories uh, together today. Um, and I love it. I, doesn't, I don't care whether it's a big story that might one day get uh, written up in somebody's uh, biography of just doing some amazing big things in the world, or whether it's just something that puts a smile on somebody else's face and brightens their day a bit. I love hearing about how people motivated by the love of Christ are doing good in the world. So whether that's uh, doing good in our partner organisations around the world, just in stories we hear about in our day-to-day lives, um, it's just a great thing to be able to celebrate. But I wonder, as we've been hearing some of that together today, whether that element of where do I fit in this story has been something that God might have been prompting in your heart. Uh, As we come together next week, we're going to hear another exciting story about how um, some some Christians became aware of modern-day slavery. And just like Christians in generations past have stood up and said, this is not how God wanted people to be treated, so people have been getting involved in that particular struggle. Uh, And to see the way that children particularly have been liberated from exploitation uh, through this particular organisation, and we'll hear from another one later in the year, again, just fills your heart with this thankfulness that God puts people in the world to do good. So what's my part in that? And what's your part in that? Do you ever think of yourself as being an agent of the goodness of God in a world that desperately needs it? According to the Bible, that's a key part. If you're somebody who has experienced new life in Jesus, if you've put your trust in him and been made new by him, that is who you are now. Ephesians 2.10 puts it like this. After Paul has just written very eloquently about the grace that we've received in Jesus in giving us new life, he says this about us. For we are his, being God's, workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. I love that real short snapshot of who I am and who you are if you are in Christ. And just to go over that again, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. God's creative activity has been involved in your life, moulding you, shaping you, not pointlessly, but with a purpose in mind. He has got good works in mind for you, so as he moulds you, through all of life's experiences, through his word that is alive in you, through the, uh, the Holy Spirit who is um, at work in your spirit, through the company of the people that you uh, spend time with, particularly those who can point you to God, in all of the different ways that God is at work forming who you are, he does it with a purpose in mind. He has good works intended for you to do. And I love the duality of that because on the one hand, God is at work forming you, creating you to be somebody in Christ Jesus who is able to do these good works that he's planned for you to do. And at the same time, he's busily preparing those good works so that at some point in your journey, the things he made you to do will intersect with the opportunities to do those things and we will be who God has created us to be, doing the things God's created us to do. That's our sweet spot. That's my sweet spot. That's your sweet spot. That's where you will feel most alive is when who God is creating you to be intersects with the things God created you to do and you engage in that and you flourish in that. You were created and are being shaped by Christ 
for good works. And the cool thing about that, I don't know if you ever fall into the habit of comparing yourself to other people, maybe positively in that, oh, I'm better than that person, or negatively, oh, I could never do what they do. Comparison is just not a part of this picture at all. I'm not meant to do the good works that God created somebody else to do, and they're not meant to do the good works that God created me to do. I'm only interested in who God's making me, which is different to who he's making you. And what he wants me to do, which is different to what he wants you to do. And there's a freedom in letting go of comparisons, of measuring ourselves by others. And, and, and whether, again, we get false sense of security in that, or whether we beat ourselves up because of that, we can just let go of that completely. What counts is that God is creating who you are, and he's creating things for you to do. Let's bring it together and flourish in that. I love the, the stories that we heard as uh, Colin shared, uh, that story of, of the lady who became a pilot and that dream was a long time in the nurturing before eventually in the grace of God those, that dream from childhood came together with the opportunity and a new ministry was born. Uh, the 22-year vision of Santanu, of, of having a hospice to, to work out of and to be a blessing to that community and in the right time it came about and boy is it making a difference to lives. That's what God is about doing i wonder what dreams god might have implanted in you and i wonder when that time will be when those will flourish and you'll see the fulfillment of the desires that god placed in you as he created you wired you to want to do good works as an expression of who you are in jesus uh, the pastor and writer frederick buchner said it like this your vocation in life and by the way when we talk about vocation it literally comes from a latin word which means your calling so what you've been called to do in life is where your greatest joy meets the world's greatest need is that how you think about service you know, sometimes we think about service as one more thing we've got to do yeah i, I should really join that roster or i suppose i mean they're crying out for more helpers in you know whatever it might be or the school pnc can't get volunteers and you think of all these things that need to be done and sometimes it just feels like it's emptying your tank man there's more need but according to ephesians 2:10, and it's summarized in, in this quote from buchner when we find those things that God prepared in advance for us to do, those aren't the thing that, things that sap us and drain us. Hard work though they often are, they are actually the, the areas in which we find the greatest joy. It's where who we are in Christ meets what we do for Christ. So you have a sweet spot. It's not the things you find most convenient to do. It's not the things you find easiest to do. It's not on the things that you find safe to do because following Christ's call often entails the need of great faith and risk. It's not going to be convenient. It's not going to get you to where you think you want to be in life necessarily. But there is a sweet spot of service where you will come alive in Christ as you help others taste the goodness of Christ. A, a, a way of serving that will honour God, will bless others and will bring you great joy. So there's some reminders that we need to give ourselves as we gather together today. What is it that defines us as people? What is it that has the most influence in what we do each day? As you think about who you are, what do you think about? Um, is it your vocation in terms of what you do uh, in your career? Is it where you're at in your education? Is it your position in family? Is it your community that you live in? What, what are the things about you that most matter to you and that most shape what you do in life? According to the Bible, you are not defined. You know, who you are is not defined by 
your ethnicity or by your possessions or by your family of origin, by your social groups or your occupation or your interests or your gender or your attractions or your accomplishments or your trauma or your diagnosis. None of those things which sometimes have a huge amount of influence in how we think about ourselves and the decisions we make about what we do, none of those actually define us. None of those things have been given permission by God to control how we see ourselves and then what we do in our lives. According to Ephesians 2.10, again, we are defined and directed by this. We are created in Christ Jesus for good works. That's who we are and what we do. And as you read through the New Testament, just as uh, Colin read from Romans 12, that was one of the many passages I had to put to the side and say, oh, I don't have time to talk about that. But the Bible over and over again talks about this reality that we've been created for loving action. That's who we are. It's what we're wired to be like. Titus 2 puts it really succinctly uh, when it uh, describes it like this. From verse 11 of Titus chapter 2, it says, For the grace of God has appeared bringing salvation for all people, instructing us to deny godlessness and worldly lusts and to live in a sensible, righteous and godly way in the present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Saviour, Jesus Christ. He gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to cleanse for himself a people for his own possession, eager to do good works. See, if God's grace has appeared to you, if you've been enlightened by faith to know the precious gift of salvation, if you know Jesus came and what we celebrated in communion is true, that he came into this world, that he died for us to set us free from sin and death, to redeem us, to make us part of God's family, because we're in God's family, we get to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit to help us to live differently. If you know what it's like to, to be so sure of what Christ did in the past, that you're also sure of what he's promised for the future, that he will come back, that he will bring us into his eternal kingdom, that the things that we put up with here in this life which are painful will one day be done away with and what God cares about is making sure that everybody has the opportunity to be part of this new world, this new reality that Jesus is going to bring with him when he comes. This is all part of the gospel. This is the good news and you can't take any of that away and still call it good news, which includes that part about what we do while we wait. What's going on while we wait for what Christ will do on the basis of what he has done? What's going on is that we're being made new, that we're being made his ambassadors to the world to give a little taste of what God has in store for those who love him. To let people know where they might be, not be won over by arguments necessarily, but they might be won over by compassionate service. That there is a God who loves them and a God who wants to have an eternal relationship with them. The gospel is not just good news for me and it's not just good news for you. It's good news for everybody. And you know what? They might not receive the opportunity to have a relationship with God as a result, but that doesn't stop us from doing good and doing more good and doing more good. And who knows what point in their journey it will be when they finally go you know what what's going on here there's something here that I want to experience for myself so as we look at uh, this passage in Titus chapter 2 from verse 11 we want to really focus in on the fact that it begins not with us it begins with Jesus whenever we talk about service 
can we not just add it to our list as another to-do, another thing that we ought to be about? Let's not start with us at all. Service that does any good in the world always starts with Jesus. It always starts with being just so thankful for what God has done for us, that naturally that good news and that enthusiasm and appreciation bubbles out into what we do in relationship with others. And I love the way that God has helped us to to make sure we don't lose sight of that because we are people who naturally get caught up in the material things, the things around us, and we can easily lose sight of what God has done for us in Christ. So what's God done for us? Well, he's given us his precious word and he's invited us to feed on that regularly he's given us his holy spirit to live within us and to be always pointing us back to jesus and he's assembled us together as people who are following jesus to do that in community with one another and i love how um the book of hebrews talks about the role that that plays when it says this and let us consider one another in order to provoke love and good works Not neglecting to gather together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging each other and all the more as you see the day approaching. Why do we do communion the way that we do it? And we like to do it every time we gather on a Sunday. Why is that important? Because when we come together and whether you have uh, communion or whether it's in the teaching or worship or whatever element of your service, we want to always be looking back. Hey, let's remind each other, look back at what Christ has done for us in his death and resurrection and the sending of his spirit. Let's not forget to look back and let's not forget to look forward. As it says there, as the day is approaching, let's not forget that our time here is limited and we're moving on our way to some better and we've got to do that for each other all the time so that we can provoke each other to live well in the moment not to waste the days that we've been given but to provoke each other to love and good works we're meant to be thoughtful about how we can provoke each other to love we're meant to be thoughtful about the way that we're encouraging each other to keep going in loving practically So my question for us today is, what does that look like for you and what does that look like for me? It's a fairly basic principle, a fairly basic command that we've been given, not to forsake getting together, but to come together regularly with this purpose in mind. Just like God, when he made you new in Christ, had a purpose in mind, he had works planned for you to do. When we gather, we are meant to be provoking each other to do those works. We're meant to encourage each other to continue in those works. What is that going to require of us in the way that we come together? Well, I think it's going to require some authenticity. It's going to require an openness to one another. To drop the masks, and I love the way Romans 12 talks about this, love must be sincere. It warns against hypocrisy. Let's be real about what life is looking like and what we're actually doing in service to God. Let's love each other enough to listen and to pray and to walk through Scripture and to walk alongside one another. I think sometimes we feel a little awkward getting practical with each other what are you actually doing as a result of your faith in jesus now we can talk about the gospel and we can talk about what we believe but to actually get into the nitty-gritty what are you doing about this what am i doing about this 
I feel like as Australians, and maybe it is part of Aussie culture, maybe it's just part of human nature, I suspect it's a little bit of both. I feel like it's, well, I don't want to invade on anyone's privacy. I don't want to step on any toes. I don't want to look like a goody two-shoes. You know, you know, what people do with it, well, that's up to them. But according to Hebrews, it's not. According to the book of Hebrews, we're supposed to get together and talk very practically about how we're living as a result of the gospel. What the good works are that we are engaging in out of love for God and love for others. So let me give you a really concrete example, something we've prayed about today, uh, something that was in the e-chronicle, if you get that during the week, um, and that is the opportunity, as uh, Jackie uh, made it known to us, uh, to provide meals for the Buxton family. And as Steve prayed about, uh, as baby Angus uh, continues to, to grow, and there's been so many great God stories in his journey already, but he's facing months in the neonatal intensive care unit. That means a lot of travel and a lot of extra stuff for, for Jamie and Charlotte as they nurture him over uh, the, uh, the journey ahead. And of course, as a church family, we want to support their family really well. Of course we do. So what are we going to do about that? And how many of us feel comfortable in asking one another, hey, you know, were you, you thinking of making a meal for them? What are you going to make? I'm going to make this. How many of us feel comfortable getting very practical in talking about what we will do for that family? But according to Hebrews 10, that's the sort of thing we're supposed to be doing. I, I'm supposed to provoke you to do some good and you're supposed to provoke me to do some good. That's what church does. And here's an opportunity to do some good. Hebrews 10 does not say, correct me if I'm wrong, I mean, you've got it in front of you, it does not say this, make sure you don't neglect coming together because otherwise where are you going to talk about the footy or politics or the weather? Or It doesn't say that at all, does it? You know, we're supposed to be talking about these things. These things matter. These things make a difference in people's lives. So what does that actually look like with one another? And let's just say that uh, as we chatted afterwards, somebody mentioned, you know, I'm going to make a meal and we'll ask the question, hey, have you thought about it? We could assume, knowing the people who are in this room, that there is going to be plenty of positive responses and some people who might not have given it much thought or might not have seen the notice or hadn't even heard that there was stuff going on, they might go, yeah, that sounds fantastic, I'll be in that. And some great plans might be made about how that's going to happen and it might go beyond meals and it might go to things like mowing lawns or providing transport or any other practical things that will be a part of doing good in that particular situation. And so um, we can expect that because somebody was brave enough to actually talk about what are we going to do about this, that some great stuff's going to bubble out of that. But here's something that we've got to realise. You can't ask a question with all the potential for a great answer of yes, let's do it, without also having the risk of nah, not doing that. And sometimes the fear of the no stops us from asking the question that might have well gotten a yes. But the reality is, as uh, Ephesians 2 talked about, God's the one who prepares good works for us to do. God's the one who makes us for those good works. And we're not all meant to do the same thing. So as we talk very practically about what are we going to do about this, not everyone is supposed to do something. And not everyone will do the same sorts of things. So how do we manage it if, if we're afraid of asking a question and the answer might be no? The New Testament reminds us over and over that we've got to be able to kind of manage this tension of, yes, let's get involved, but no, let's not try and pressure each other to do it the way that this person wants to do, because God's got a different plan for that person. So bearing that in mind, bearing in mind that we want to be able to 
do this. We want to be able to manage that tension. What if, as somebody afterwards says, you know what, I was, I've been thinking about that and I think I will get involved. What if you also want to get involved in this particular situation, but there's a barrier? And the issue is not, you know what, I feel God's calling me to do other things with, with my time and energy this week. The issue is, I would get involved, but something's stopping me. What might that something be? Let me give you a few um, common service blockers. And this is just a handful of, of options. Maybe it's this one. Maybe it's busyness. You're just so busy at the moment, you don't know how you're going to fit it in. Yeah, you can see there's a need. Man, you wish you could do something about it. But when I look at my week, man, it's just not going to happen. That could block that good work. Maybe it's a confidence or a lack of skills thing where, um, let's face it, we're not all good at the same stuff, and in this case, if it's the invitation to make a meal, you go, you know what, I, I'm just, I've never received compliments for my cooking. I hear other people say, oh, that person's such a good cook. I don't get that. That's not my sweet spot. Maybe that's uh, getting in the way of you getting involved in this way. Maybe it's resources. Maybe there's financial pressure at the moment, and every cent is accounted for, and you're just not sure how you would afford to help out in this particular area. Or maybe it's more of an emotional issue. Maybe you've been through some tough times and you would have loved it if there was a whole community of people who just got together and practically served you, but nobody did anything. Maybe they didn't know about it. Maybe they didn't care. And so there's this feeling of, you know what, I want to help, but at the same time, I'm a, I'm a little bit bitter about this as well. And I feel like, well, if I had to do it tough, other people should as well. And maybe it swings completely in the other direction where you are so empathetic and you see so many needs around you and you want to help and you do help, but you've done that so much you're just drained um, and you feel like you've got nothing more to give. Or maybe, and I think there's a few of us in this boat, I, I can be this guy at times, maybe you hear about a need and say, you know what, I really care about that, I want to do something about it. And then another conversation happens and then another event happens and before you know it, a couple of weeks have passed and you've done nothing about that thing that you really would have liked to have done something about. Do you resonate with some of those things that are on the board? as some reasons why you don't do some things. Again, not that anyone else is pressuring you to do because we're not about that. But sometimes you don't do the things that you feel like you ought to have done because some of these things have gotten in the way. What might happen if we were brave enough to actually talk about some of these things that we face. Because here's the thing, when you read about how the Bible describes the New Testament church operating, and when you read the letters that were written to Christians at that time in history, you see that the main job of the church was not to beat each other up when any of these things were getting in the way. What do you mean you're busy? What's wrong with your priorities? You know, it, it wasn't meant to do that kind of thing. What we're supposed to be doing is very thoughtfully helping each other figure this stuff out. Believing that God has created us to be most alive when we are most engaged in what he's asked us to do. So how do we help each other move toward that? So somebody who's really busy doing things that God's actually called them to do might be really relieved to hear from you that, you know what, you're not supposed to be a part of everything. As long as you're doing the things that God wants you to do, God bless you and leave the, the rest of the, um, the, the body's work to other parts of the body. And the reality is when the same people keep doing stuff all over the place because they've got the heart to do it, sometimes they get in the way of those who ought to be doing those things. So sometimes busy people need to be um, encouraged to say, hey, you don't have to do more. 
Or maybe God's um, got people in particular vocations which are very, very demanding of time, partly because he wants them to do good through those vocations and partly because they earn an income which is able to resource other people to do good. And so what would happen in the conversation if somebody said, you know what, I'd love to help but I am so flat out this week. Um, I'd, I'd love to just make a donation. And somebody else said, well, you know what, I'm a little short of cash but I've got plenty of time. Maybe there's a synergy in what the body's doing here. And maybe if you buy the, the groceries, I'll make the food and together we'll, we'll get the job done. Maybe there's a practical solution to this problem that would never be found unless somebody was brave enough to say I'd like to but and what about if busyness is actually a burden and it's not just a burden because they can't help out in this particular situation it's affecting other parts of life as well it's affecting relationships it's affecting time with God it's affecting availability to do the good things that God's want, wanting you to do and so maybe the fact that you would like to help but you're too busy is an opportunity for your life to get some attention and maybe a gracious person who knows you well and knows the scriptures and has got a great listening ear can help you think through what is life looking like at the moment why is the busyness there can I help you to move to a, a way of living where you're not feeling like you don't have a choice, but you're feeling like your time is kind of booked out for you. Maybe it doesn't have to be that way. And maybe the fact that we're talking about helping somebody else is actually going to open the door to how we help you overcome a real problem to your own discipleship. Do you see how when we start talking about service, when we start getting practical, we start opening the door to life-giving conversations, which helps us not only to do those things, but also to experience the good work of God in our lives as well. Take that confidence one, for example. Uh, I know so many people who would love to do things, but don't have the confidence or the skills to actually do them. And maybe they just need reassurance, that encouragement, which literally means to give courage to somebody that says, hey, do you believe in God who can use jars of clay to get his work done? Go ahead and do it anyway. God's bigger than that. Maybe they need some faith lifting. Maybe they have fallen into the trap, like we spoke about earlier, of comparing their service to other people's service and say, well, you know, I'd, I, I'd love to make a meal and take it around, but I know that Steve's doing something and that guy is a gun in the kitchen. And I don't want them eating Steve's meal and then eating my meal. And, and hearing all the reports of how great that was and hearing nothing about mine now who's it about in this moment it's not about the people we're helping is it it's about me and my fears and insecurities and anxieties and maybe the fact that I've got a lack of confidence might be the perfect opportunity for somebody to give me a shot in the arm and say hey you know have faith trust God you probably won't poison them um, it probably isn't going to taste as good as Steve's but it's going to be an expression of love but maybe coming out of that there'll be a conversation of why why are you so worried about that do you think they're worrying about that? Why does this matter so much? And maybe that will be the thing that helps me move beyond always comparing myself to others. Because I bet if I'm doing it here, I'm doing it in other places as well. Again, discipleship, growing to become more like Jesus, being free of the junk that sometimes litters our hearts, those fears and anxieties and pride and whatever it might be. It happens when we start talking really practically about service, about doing good in the world. We don't have to come together for the purpose of studying the Bible. We're just talking about life, but what the Bible says feeds into that and says, yeah, it's going to bring life to you and it's going to bring life to them. One of the things I love about Titus 2 from verses 11 to 14 is that it comes after verses 1 to 10. I don't know if you've kind of graduated from uh, Bible, Bible school and have discovered that. 
What's going on in verses 1 to 10? Paul is instructing Titus as the pastor of uh, this church on Crete to be very, very practical. This is what this group needs to hear and this is what these people need to be doing and this is what you need to instruct with this group. And because he was talking practically, then he got into the heart. Now, this is what's going on at the heart of all of that. And that's going to be our journey too. The more we talk practically about the good we can be doing, the good that we are doing, the good that you'd like to do but are struggling to get to, the more we have opportunities to get to the heart of the matter, to help people discover who they are in Christ, to turn away from lawlessness, which is living for me, to turn away from godlessness as though he's not there, um, and to actually be being made new, to be God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus, to do the things that he has prepared for us to do. So, as we finish up this week, what will we do in response? I was chatting with a friend uh, in a cafe earlier this week and uh, he mentioned that he'd seen somebody uh, living on the side of the road in a particular intersection. And it's, a, it's one that he drives past regularly. And eventually he kind of thought, you know what, I feel like I'm meant to do something about this. So he created a care pack and took it into this person and, and had a conversation with them. And, and as I heard my friend talk about this good thing that he'd done, just as a result of God prompting him to do it, I thought of some opportunities that I had uh, in my world. And I don't drive past that intersection. That's not a good work that I'm meant to be involved in. But I was aware of some other needs. And I thought, you know what, I think I should be doing something about that too. What are the ways that we'll be having conversations with each other that just spur each other on to do good things in the world? We have team night coming up uh, in a week and a half, which is Wednesday night, last Wednesday of this month. Um, and that's just an opportunity. If you've never been at team night before, it's meant to be one of those practical uh, nights where we just come together and say, hey, what are the things that are going on right now? And what are the opportunities that we see ahead of us? And what's on your heart? And just to have a very open conversation about the challenges that we're facing, both what's happening in our church family and what our church family is called to do in the world. So I'd love for you to be a part of that. If you're somebody who says, you know, I want to be a part of a community where we're talking together about what we're doing, what we're actually doing in, out of love for God and others, Team Night's a great opportunity for you to be a part of that. So I'd love for you to put that in your calendar. Come along on Wednesday night, not this Wednesday, but the following Wednesday at 7.30. Um, have some food, have some fellowship, and spur each other on to love and good deeds. Um, for, the, for those who are involved in our music ministry or in our production ministry, we're going to have pizza together today. And uh, if you'd like to be a part of the team, uh, come along. You'll get free pizza. Um, by the way, I didn't mention in my email to, to folks, um, if you've got kids, they'll get pizza as well. So um, we're not going to make them starve while you hang around and chat so so if you're part of production part of music and we're just going to have an opportunity to talk about hey how are we doing um, and and what would we, would we like to do in the next steps as a team um, and we're just going to see how can we encourage those of us who are doing good don't you love the fact that we've got these these people here who are playing music and uh, singing songs so that we can um, express our worship to God and we can receive truth about God. I love the fact they're doing good to us in doing that. So as a team, we're going to get together and we're going to talk about how we're going to encourage each other to continue to do good. As a church family, these opportunities are everywhere. Um, but it's not my job to tell you what you ought to be doing. Uh, it's our job to be helping each other find those sweet spots. It's our job in our conversations after church, in our prayer for one another, in our growth groups, in our neighbourhoods and all the ways that we do it in our music teams and, and all that stuff. It's our job. The Bible's clear. So let's do that for each other. Let's pray.
God, thank you that we have an amazing heritage. Jesus Christ died for us. He gave his life as an atoning sacrifice so that we could become children of God. We thank you that he set the tone for his kingdom in doing that. We want to be people who, in a similar way, bring life to others, share your goodness with others because of our service to you. God, would you use our local church community to encourage one another to do good in our workplaces, in our schools, in our homes, in our streets, uh, in the teams that we're a part of, wherever it is that you've prepared a good work for us to do. Would you help us to provoke one another, to spur each other on, to do those things? Lord, would you help us to do that not out of a sense of kind of uh, false righteousness where we think we're proving ourselves or achieving anything for ourselves in doing that, but simply as a response to the grace that you've shown us and that very natural desire to share it with others. God, may we see more and more people realising that they were created just for this as they find those things that you have prepared for them to do and you prepared them to be able to do it. What a great privilege we have in helping each other to do that. God, would you move beyond that and, and use us to encourage and resource our partners right around the world. Your church is global because you are interested in every single human being. So as we do that, may we be faithful partners in that way as well. God, we pray that as a result of being here today, that you would enlarge our vision, that you would... Um, Give us that very practical sense of what we should do as our next step. Help us to be brave. Help us to be motivated by your love. And may we fan into flame the gifts that you have given us for the glory of Jesus and the good of all people. Amen. Thank you, team.